This podcast is made possible by Workiva and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Jennifer Templeman, CFO of Jumpstart for Young Children, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 405. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. Uh, as she said, that was uh, Jennifer Templeman, uh, CFO of Jumpstart, who we spoke to back in February of 2016 at an interesting place in time for her. She had taken over the COO role as well as the CFO role at Jumpstart for Children, uh, a not-for-profit Few finance leaders, we would argue, have shared more enthusiasm for the role than Jennifer. And we thought this holiday season, why not reprise an episode where the finance leader <laughs> exudes passion? We believe she does just that. That episode begins after these words from our sponsor. Workiva transforms the way people work through connected reporting and compliance. The facts are, a majority of senior accounting and finance professionals say their financial reporting involves a huge amount of manual work and is inherently error-prone, leading to risk. Risk that's intensified by new business complexities and the changing business climate. Linked data elements, numbers, narrative, and calculations together everywhere you use them. When you change data at the source, it's changed at the destination. Gaining trust in your data and processes is that simple. Join over 3,500 customers who enjoy the benefits of using Workiva by connecting their organizations from record to report. Visit workiva.com slash CFO. Hi, this is Jennifer Templeman. Yeah, hi, Jennifer. Thanks for the time. Sure. Hello, we're speaking with Jennifer Templeman. CFO of Jumpstart. It's about time we have a CFO guest from the not-for-profit sector, and we're pleased Jennifer agreed to join us today. Along the way, she's regularly sought to encourage and offer advice to other finance professionals that may be considering a career in the not-for-profit sector. So we're pleased, Jennifer, to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's uh, just up front here. Jumpstart and I, I don't want to assume everyone knows what it does, but this is a not-for-profit that seeks to prepare children during the early years so they can go on and succeed when they finally enter the school system and kindergarten so they can succeed there. Is that is that the shorthand? <laughs> that is the shorthand. So Jumpstart is a national nonprofit, and we are working for it today when every child enters kindergarten prepared to succeed. So we do this by placing trained adult volunteers, typically they're college students, um, in under-resourced preschool classrooms, and we implement our research-based early literacy curriculum um, for the sole purpose of eliminating the educational gap so that when they begin school, they're ready to compete and keep up with their more affluent peers. It's a wonderful concept. When was uh, Jumpstart first formed? 
It was formed in 1993. It was sort of a random idea in a college dorm room at Yale University uh, where the college students were thinking, you know, we know students are behind peers based upon geography. So if they're born in a community that is um, less affluent, they're not going to have the same amount of resources given to their early years of education. And if they start behind, they stay behind. So they wanted to test the theory of what would happen if we gave those children one-on-one attention specifically around literacy and reading. Would that help to prepare them? And they just went into a schoolroom and they tried it, and it made a huge difference in the lives of those children and has scaled dramatically since then. Wonderful. So let's find out about you, Jennifer. And, you know, if you would, share some of the milestones that helped prepare you for a CFO role. (laughs) Well, I have to begin by saying that I probably fell into a CFO role by accident, which is not maybe what you would like to hear on an interview like this. Um, but I chose to major in accounting because it was sort of the least of all the evils. Um, I was really good in math. I had spent a lot of time working in businesses of one sort or another. And so I chose accounting because I saw a survey that said there was going to be a big need for accountants in the future and probably a gap in qualified talent. And somebody told me while I was standing in line to change my major at the registrar's office that if you major in um, business management, your options are a lot less than if you major in accounting. So by the time I got to the front of the line, I was ready to say my major was going to be accounting. And from there, things just began to sort of skyrocket. Um, I worked right out of school as a financial analyst uh, for a financial services company, spent most of my day just looking at reports and then trying to describe the work that our company had done in very positive terms. Um, and one day I was taking a walk and ran into somebody that knew my husband more than they knew me, and she stopped me on the sidewalk and said, I have the perfect job for you. And I was not looking for one, but I listened to her. She explained the opportunity to be a fiscal director at a very small nonprofit. Um, And this particular nonprofit was sort of in the Appalachian Mountains, and they were looking for a fiscal director. And she really sold me on it. The fact that it was a small organization made me think I could absolutely do the job. And it was probably one of those um, perfect situations where I didn't know what I didn't know, so I thought I'd be able to do it pretty easily. As it turns out, I was following somebody who had had some legal reasons for having to leave, so I really inherited a huge mess. And what I found through that experience was that I like taking chaos and turning it into order. And that was where I began to find sort of my niche that got me on the CFO track, which is going into a place that has maybe good intentions or good business reasons for being there or good mission-driven reasons for being there, but needs a lot of the structure and the accountability that a good, solid CFO can bring. Um, I had the opportunity then over the next few years to change positions um, at different organizations, and those organizations tended to scale until I finally arrived at Jumpstart um, as their CFO here in the last few years. So I think it is that ability to not be overwhelmed by a great big mess and to enjoy the process of sorting things out that really put me on this trajectory. That's a great uh, opening anecdote. I'm curious uh that piece of it where the person approaches you and says, I have the perfect role for you. Not many people would think that was the perfect role necessarily, but what was it that she thought this would have been a nice fit for you? Well, we had an opportunity to talk about it a year or so after I was actually in the role, and I was having a particularly frustrating day, and I reached out to ask her, why did you think 
that this was a good idea to take a situation that was rather messy and put someone someone in it that did not really have experience with this type of work. Um, and she said that one of the things that really struck her is that, you know, I did technically have the background for it. I had the education. I had some experience with finance and tracking and those types of things. But I was not bound by how things had always been done. And so she felt like what had habitually gotten in this organization's way is the fact that they were very much looking at their road with blinders on as we have to keep going the track that we're in. And they desperately needed somebody that was not um, so mired down by the history that they could not suggest way out in the field type suggestions. Um, so when she saw me, she knew I had the background. I hadn't lived there long enough to know the full history of the organization. So I think she might have been a little bit of an opportunist as well. Um, and it, it really did turn out that what they actually did need was to do things very, very differently. Um, and it did take someone very much from the outside to suggest those kinds of solutions. And that was a not-for-profit as well. Was that your first not-for-profit that you arrived there? Yes, it was. And you decided to stay with the not-for-profit. Of course, you end up at Jumpstart as the CFO. Did you know that, yes, this is the space I'd like to remain in? Or was there other opportunities that came and you weighed them along the way? Um. After I finished that opportunity and moved to my next nonprofit, which was a little larger, I think it was at that point that I realized that non-for-profit as a segment of business was definitely where I needed to be. And that was really for a couple of reasons. The first and, and most important one for me is that I'm very much motivated by a purpose greater than just um, getting the job done or the satisfaction of neat rows and columns and, you know, my numbers being exactly as they should be. So reporting to a board is not necessarily inspirational to me, but at the end of the day, if I can equate what I have done with having changed the lives of people around me, that was by far a greater motivating factor for me. So once I began to make that connection of my success and my role as the CFO is enabling our program teams and our volunteers out in the field to go change the lives of thousands of children every day, then my motivation level to work harder and work better and become more efficient and track things and use data um, exponentially grew. So my effectiveness also grew. And what I found is there are a lot of people who really have a head for business but really need a different motivator for how they're going to implement that. And the non-for-profit segment is uniquely poised for that. So to answer the other half of your question, yes, there have been um, multiple opportunities along the way to leave the nonprofit world. And I think a lot of people that I talk to assume that I would. Um, there are a lot of misconceptions about nonprofit work, and one of which is that you come here either to end your career because it will be easier, or that you start here in order to get skills, and then you go on to something that's seen as perhaps more important or more challenging. And I vehemently oppose both of those ideas. I have never been more challenged, and um, the types of issues that I have to deal with are, I'm sure, very different than my corporate counterparts. Um, but at the end of the day, we're utilizing the same skill set for the same purpose to have healthy, robust, sustainable organizations. Um, it is just how we go about it that is perhaps a little bit different. So I could not fathom leaving the nonprofit world. So when you do step in uh, finally to the CFO office at Jumpstart, what is your philosophy at finance or really the type of job that you want to create there? So I see finance 
as being a culture builder in an organization, which usually catches people a little bit off guard. Um, so I need to surround myself by a team who is very committed to compliant, um, very well-regulated, solid accountant, people who understand data and know how to do it and can focus on efficiency. That part is not unique. Um, however, the culture piece is in that there's not a decision that we make here at Jumpstart or any of the other agencies I've been at that do not have a financial component or at least a fiscal component. So my job is to try and help people understand the decision and the breadth of it in terms of how it interacts with finance. Not all of these are decisions that necessarily have a dollars and cents type equation to them, but there's always risks that need to be weighed. What's the impact going to be to personnel or the technology and systems? How can we track that? How is this going to impact what we already do or what we consider to be our, our primary focus? Um, and then if I really wanted to boil down my own philosophy of finance, I see the finance department as building the culture so that people are not automatically drawn to no or we can't or we couldn't possibly afford that, that they look at decisions much broader and that they find a way to balance integrity, so always being that upfront, honest voice of what is real with what is possible, you know, with active planning, uh, with watching these things, research, uh, innovation, we can make these things happen, and then what is fiscally responsible. So just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should, but if you could do it, let's look into you know, whether or not that is a highly responsible stewarding the funds we have type of decision. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, sort of the competitive landscape for this not-for-profit? Where does it look to uh, receive funding, and how does it how does the finance model work exactly? Yeah. Um, so Jumpstart is, is unique in that we actually don't have a direct competitor that does exactly what we do. That being said, there are a number of other national nonprofits that go into school systems of various ages and implement a curriculum of some sort in the hope of helping those children have higher educational outcomes. So that part is similar. It's just the way in which Jumpstart goes about it is very unique to us which also allows us to have access to a funding stream that not all the other nonprofits perhaps do, or at least not in the same way. So our funding is what you would refer to as perhaps the standard cachet of most nonprofits, um, except that we have a very nicely balanced portfolio of funds that come from government, um, and that government includes both federal funds and state commission-type funds. Um, then we also have corporate foundation and individual givers, which equate for the rest of our budget. And it's a very nice balance between all of those so that should we lose one funding stream or a large funder in one area, the others perhaps would not be at such a risk. Our largest government funder is AmeriCorps. Most of the volunteers that actually go into the classroom and implement our program are AmeriCorps volunteers. And we recruit directly on college campuses, so they are part-time AmeriCorps volunteers. And over the course of a single school year, those college students are giving, on average, 300 hours in addition to all their coursework um, to jumpstart. And some of that is training, most of that is program implementation, and then some of it is research feedback, trying that process of continual improvement and how they're implementing. 
Um, so it's a, a very demanding type role for our volunteers, but that does allow us to tap into the AmeriCorps stream of funding, which has been very, very good for us. It aligns very nicely. So what are the key metrics then that you pay so close attention to? What are those metrics? Um, I think a lot of them are standard. I have an internal dashboard that I look at sort of as my first, let me see how my day is going to be type of glance. And, you know, they include things from cash, where we are in revenue earned so far this year to what our plan had been. Um, of course, our expense runs. And then the last thing that I actually look at on a daily basis are funding announcements. Um, and this can be everything from um, what lobbyist groups are saying about different branches of the government, uh, any funding announcements that are coming out from various sources. Is the Department of Education looking to put out something? Is AmeriCorps, CNCS putting out an ask themselves or HUD or, you know, any of the other branches? And then trying to stay on top of uh, foundational and corporate uh, news streams that would perhaps allow us to know if there's the potential for a downturn in giving to nonprofits or the potential for an upswing or new places where we might be able to align and go after funding. And that really it does tend to shift uh, regularly enough that it requires me to stay on top of it to be sure that Jumpstart is poised to pivot if we need to. Is there some way you measure oh, yeah. uh, the success of the programs, and and what is finance's role? Is that is that really a finance role, or is that sort of a collaboration between different different areas of the of the organization? Um, we actually do. We measure everything that you can possibly imagine. So Jumpstart utilizes a balanced scorecard approach. Um, most of what we do, we would not know if we have been successful if we're thinking about the customer perspective. Um, our customers should be the child that we're ultimately serving. Um, we're not going to know that we've been successful until the end of the school year, at which point it is way too late to change anything about what we've done. So instead, Jumpstart utilizes a balanced scorecard where we look across the organization and we say in order to be successful in achieving our ultimate mission, what are those those key activities in various areas of the organization that need to stay on target throughout the course of the year. And then we monitor those on a monthly basis, and we actually report out publicly across the entire organization our progress towards those goals each month. So everyone in the organization in a very transparent way is completely aware of where we are and where we need to focus, perhaps dedicate more intentional resources or time in order to be sure that we stay on, on a target for where we need to be by the end of the year. And by implementing this particular approach, finance has a very unique role. Not only are there financial metrics, obviously, that we're looking at on a monthly basis that the organization needs to know about, but we can also help people to understand data in other areas. So just because you are off of where you thought you were going to be, that's not necessarily a reason to panic. And sometimes what looks like a temporary success um, is a reason to be very concerned. So finance is often looked to as the group that can help to interpret the data and better understand it, um, to contextualize it, um, and then to report out on it. So we play a very pivotal role in not only the compilation of that data and the sharing out of it, but the understanding of it across the organization. Perhaps uh, during your career at Jumpstart or maybe earlier, mm -hmm. uh, can you share a story of a time uh, when you had an aha moment, a moment of strategic insight that may have led you to change how things were being done or point the direction of your team in uh, some new area? Sure. Um, 
So I, I, as I shared with you earlier, I went into accounting because I had a head for it. I sort of had a natural aptitude more towards math than analytics. Um, but I also am really well known among my friends as being a talker and someone who just enjoys dialogue. I love stories. I love engaging with people. So it is an unusual dichotomy of skills and interest between those two. I had an aha moment today that I realized that my job in order to be truly successful is being able to read and interpret numbers, but being able to talk and speak in words, um, to be able to have a foot in both worlds so that the people around me get the information that they need to be successful. And so I'll um, give you an example of that. Um, a couple of years ago, Jumpstart was very concerned about the possible elimination of all AmeriCorps funding. And while it is not our only, only funding stream, it is our single largest of all of the various funding streams we have. So the loss of that entire uh, grant for us would have been a substantial blow to our organization. And of course, as is the case with government uh, budgets, it tends to be a long process with various groups lobbying for funds and appropriation committees meeting. So while we knew the initial budget did show AmeriCorps being zeroed out and essence eliminated, um, we in no way knew that that was actually going to be the final result. But in the meantime, in those months of waiting, there was a great deal of fear that was almost paralytic at the organization. So uh, people whose jobs it is to go out in classrooms understand that the funding could be cut, reduced, or completely eliminated, but there's not a lot they could do to impact it. That being said, they still understood there was a great deal of danger. So initially, uh, the I think gut reaction was to try not to talk about it until we knew more. But the aha moment for me came, actually, they need me to talk more than I ever have before. If ever there was a time for transparency and for inviting people into a conversation, it was right then when they were perhaps at the most uncertain even though we had less data to go off on, so there was very little I could offer in terms of here's our definite path. This is exactly what's going to happen. I could show them and talk them through the process of here are the financial models that we're running in the background so that we're ready for any contingency should it happen, anywhere from being a reduced funding scenario to a zero funding scenario, how Jumpstart can continue to be who we are but with vastly different funding sources. And then pulling them into that conversation and saying it's going to require um, a great deal of innovation and creative solutions for efficiency, and I actually need your help in coming up with those so that I can take them back with my team and model them. So I think for me through that, what I learned is in those times of greatest uncertainty, when the people you would normally think only want to deal with black and white certainty, your finance type staff, that is the time when we need to be the most vocal to let people know that we are down here in the trenches and we are looking at all the possibilities so that while we don't know any better than you do what's going to happen, I can tell you that whatever the ultimate resolution is, we will be prepared. Uh, so that we won't be caught unaware and have to begin at day one then. And I think it was that introduction of true transparency so that there's no secrets here. If you don't understand what we're saying, we will try and put it in a language that you can understand, that no matter what, there's a financial element to your job, and we will help you to understand that so that that knowledge can actually empower and motivate you instead of uh, scaring and perhaps demotivating. What steps has Jumpstart taken to look uh, deeper into the future here? And, and uh, uh, is it still using sort of a traditional budgeting model, or how has it uh, perhaps innovated in some way? <laughs> 
Well, it has certainly changed just in the time that I've been here. So I have been at Jumpstart specifically for five years. And I think at the very beginning, it was very much a traditional budgeting model that was really a one-year type cycle. Um, so we've done a few things in the time that I have been here. And one is really tying budgets to strategy instead of looking at them totally separate. Um, we just adopted our most recent strategic plan last year and then immediately began crafting our internal implementation plan. And finance has been a key part of that, not just because everything has to have a, a budget or a financial model run on it, but also to be informative, to help people look at risks and to look more broadly of what could happen with various decisions and how things work together. When you um, have that unique position in the back of being able to see how all the budgets are rolling up from various departments or states or regions, then you can begin to see how things could be done differently to greater capture efficiencies. Um, so that has been a wonderful side effect of really having finance have a front seat at that entire process. So our budgeting process is really done on sort of a three-year scale. Um, nonprofits, unfortunately, cannot predict what our funding is going to be much beyond a single year. Um, unless you are fortunate enough to have a lot of multi-year grants, which are becoming a lot harder to find than what they used to be. Um, so what we tend to do is our hard budget, our down-in-the-weeds kind of budget for year one, and then a two and three projection um, based upon what activities and what um, priorities are going to be set for that time period so that then whenever you go into year two, you're really modifying that. You're making whatever tweaks based upon new information that's available to you that needs to be made. Um, and then you update that budget and continue to roll out to that year three. Um, doing it that way has allowed our strategy to really come to life. When you're talking about preparing children for school over the course of a year, um, you need to stay current and relevant as far as what are the newest um, educational methods, what does the curriculum look like, and how as technology becomes a greater part of the child's life, can we really uh, capture that and be a part of that? So we need to always respond to what's going on in the world, which requires us to have an eye a, at least a year, if not much more, ahead, um, because changing a curriculum is a, a process that takes time. Um, so by really pushing out our budgeting process like that and making it uh, longer term than just a single snapshot, we've been able to see great change across the organization, and it's really changed the culture of Jumpstart so that it is now a place that really embraces that constant improvement and that innovative thinking as well. Jennifer, one uh, we're going to enter our mentoring round where we get to ask you several quick questions to uh, inform aspiring uh, finance leaders. Have you had a mentor or mentors during the course of your finance career? I have. Um, I think the one that has been most impactful to me um, was a mentor on skills that really have nothing to do with finance, um, but they are by far the person that I quote the most. Um, he was an Episcopal priest that lived in Ohio. Um, I had known him for a good 20 years, um, and he was able to throw out such gems as when you truly don't know what to do, you just do the next thing, and if you continue stringing together the next thing enough before you know it, you know what to do, um, which seems at its essence petty and simple. Um, but when you are truly faced with great uncertainty and you are in charge of leading an organization forward, it is very important that you not stall and stop 
And so having someone to remind you, transparency is about more than telling people the answer to a question. It's about inviting them into a dialogue. Um, when someone that says, you know, your integrity is the most important uh, thing about yourself. So whenever you are faced with a decision that has to be made, there is often more to consider than just what is right and wrong, what is morally right and wrong, what is legally right and wrong, what is most effective, but what seeks within you as the right thing to do. Um, and so having someone to have those kinds of dialogues with, he couldn't necessarily say, you know, if I were you and going into a board meeting, I would be sure to tell my finance committee these three things, but he could absolutely be that sounding board for me when there were talent management or um, evaluation questions and I just simply was not breaking through. Um, he was a great person to go to for those kinds of questions. And I found that even now, um, he has long since retired. He is still a wonderful sounding board in that way. Well, what is it that you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career, that piece of information that you might have found very valuable at that point in time? Ah. Uh, there are lots of things I wish someone had told me at the beginning of my career, but I think the, the ones that it really boils down to um, is that finance was more than money. Um, and so that if I can find a way to have people engage with me um, about the finances of their department, about their role, that it really offers me the opportunity um, to help set direction and to help set um, a path for them to be able to walk down, which takes stress out of their way. It calls on the strength of mind um, and allows us to sort of walk together in this, that finance is a lot more than just checks and balances and funds. Um, it is a much broader thing than that and not to limit myself by only what can be done in Excel. It's about the relationships and it is about the conversations. And at the end of my career, I believe those are the things that I'm going to remember much, much more than a really stellar balanced scorecard where we went through all these great metrics that I developed. What personal habit do you believe has contributed to your professional success? I don't shy away from questions. Um, I don't necessarily always look at it as question and answer, though, because I am not always going to be that content expert that can answer every question, but every question deserves a response. If someone was bold enough to come into the CFO's office and ask me something, no matter how small or large, then I owe them a response of some sort, and I do not shy away from the questions. I often find that when they come to me with questions, they leave, and I have learned a great deal. Um, so I think it is that innate curiosity that allows me to embrace questions when they come to me instead of being defensive, in essence, when they come my way. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? I have a book I would recommend to aspiring nonprofit finance leaders um, because I do think to succeed in the nonprofit world, you must be very motivated by the mission of what it is that you do. So for me personally, I'm actually greatly motivated by a children's book. Um, it's called Your Special by Max Mercado. Um, and it really gets at the heart of everyone having something very unique to contribute that is 
special to them, but important to the broader scope of the entire world. So within my organization, there are people who have great niches that they fill because of their skill set, their education, or their background, but uniquely because of their personality and who they are, what they bring to this organization is extremely important. So I actually like books like that. I mean, yes, I do read economics books. I read finance terms. I read leadership and business management books. But something that simple that reminds that each of us has a unique contribution to make has been really important to me personally. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. Clear and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Um, over the next 12 months, I am looking to do two things. Um, one is to help to continue building the culture at Jumpstart um, around continuous improvement so that people understand that every single role has, or every single person within our organization has a role to play in continually improving what it is that we do together. And we do that by taking a very tiny thing that we have control over and finding a way to change it and testing out to see if that actually did improve, and then we either adapt or adopt or toss out and try again. Um, that sort of constant documenting, trying to improve, and then pushing forward for greater success or efficiency in the future. That is one. And because it's a cultural shift, it, it does take time. So 12 months would be sort of the minimum required for something like that. Um, and then the other is there is a huge push um, in nonprofits, especially about data-driven decision-making. Um, and I need to spend a lot of time around the organization helping people to understand the data that we have available to us, um, data about the success of what Jumpstart does in particular, but data about our funding model, our funding streams, our funders in particular, um, our board members, individuals that want to give to us, and making sure that they have all of the data that they need to really understand we do have customers of children, but we also have funders that we have to report to. And being able to balance those competing interests in many ways um, is really complicated and takes a lot of time digging into the data. So helping people to not be afraid of that um, and then providing them metrics and uh, resources in order to access what they need to talk to all those different constituents. Jennifer Templeman, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at CFOThoughtLeader.com. 